Hello, and welcome to another edition of Problematic Women, a podcast and Facebook Live show that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of liberal feminists. For those who are new to our show, allow us to briefly explain the backstory of Problematic Women. A Problematic Woman is a strong-minded Republican or conservative whose opinions liberal feminists view not as intellectual or engaging, but rather as problematic. While the left describes being problematic as a bad thing, we here think being problematic women is a good thing and that they should be proud. Every week we crown a problematic woman of the week. But first, we have a special edition of our show today for Thanksgiving, which is coming up just next week around the corner. So to kick it off, let me introduce myself. My name is Kelsey Harkness. I'm a senior news producer with The Daily Signal and contributor to The Federalist. And I'm Bree Payton, staff writer over at The Federalist in front of The Daily Signal. So today, in honor of Thanksgiving, we have a special edition of the show. We have author Lisa De Pasquale, who is in studio with us today. She's going to talk to us about... Uh, her book, The Social Justice Warrior Handbook. And Lisa, you have a new book yep. called Wish I Might, which I is available. Both are available to purchase on Amazon.com, yeah. which you should all do <laughs> immediately as soon as you're done watching the show. Uh, Lisa, so The Social Justice Warrior, you and I um, have talked about this book on the Federalist Radio Hour in the past. So I was just wondering, everyone's going to be going home, returning home. Uh, meeting their family members that they haven't seen for a while over Maybe Thanksgiving. Maybe since Trump got elected. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so how, how should people, what are some tips and tricks to survive a Thanksgiving meal with an insufferable social justice warrior <laughs> who's recently, you know, is maybe a sophomore or freshman in college and suddenly is now woke? So how can we survive this Thanksgiving meal? I mean, it's going to be tough because they're (laughs) definitely going to want to be vocal about how the world is ending and everything is awful. And, um, you know, whatever their worst, the person on their side is doing, Trump is doing it worse. (laughs) And um, and certainly they'll be bringing up um, everything with Roy Moore and Al Franken. And I'm sure they'll try and insert Trump into into that situation, too. But it's funny because they're so easily triggered that um, you could bypass all of that stuff and then just serve them, you know, dairy. And then they'll just be focused on that. (laughs) Because often they are the ones with these really interesting food philosophies. Am I correct? Yeah. I mean, and and that's what's funny. I mean, certainly there are people like celiacs that have like actual gluten free allergies or gluten allergies. Um, But you know, when it comes to, you know, going to another person's house, I mean, it's sort of like a badge of honor to now nowadays to be a victim and then to also have like all of these allergies and, and a food philosophy. So um, they'll probably ask you, like, are the eggs that were used in the the pie crust um, or not the pie crust, but the filling um, cage free eggs? And if everything was bought at a farmer's market, is it seasonal? And all of those types of things. I mean, there's like a whole vegetarian spectrum. So like on the like far side might be like being a vegan or like one of my favorite quotes from The Simpsons. Um, there's a guy who is like super vegan and he doesn't eat anything that has a shadow. So <laughs> there's like those people. And then, um, you know, people that just might be offended that you're serving a turkey. And if they're not offended by that, then then they'll get into the, is it organic? Um, is it farm raised? Is it, um, did it have a happy life? Um, 
was didn't know both its parents, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, speaking of foraging for outrage, that's mm-hmm. a topic in your book when yeah. you talk about you know college students um, and millennials, which okay, we're all millennials here. I'm but, not a millennial. Oh. You're like, you look like one. Smirch my reputation by lumping me in with you guys. Uh, Kelsey and I and Lauren are all, you know, millennials. So, what are some ways um, in your social justice warrior handbook? It's kind of like a tongue in cheek uh, parody handbook for people to continue to stay woke. And in one of the chapters, you talk about foraging for outrage. So, what are some of the ways that people can forage for outrage in general? Yeah, I mean, like in the past, I would say you could complain about the football game. But now that's not necessarily a thing because it could be the the people on the right that don't want to watch football. Um, That's true. Because of the whole like protest. So that is I'm not really sure. I mean, you can't complain about the the football itself anymore because they no longer use actual pigskin. Um, (laughs) You could complain maybe about like the cheerleaders outfits or something. Um, But they're too. They're too skimpy. You know, something like that. I actually, you wouldn't know by looking for me, but I come from a cheerleading family. I had um, one of my, my cousins was a, a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, cheerleader oh, wow. and the other um, was an Atlanta Falcons cheerleader. And so it's it's funny, like they would always, you know, hear these things about what they wore. But I mean, if you watch their practices, I mean, these are athletes. So, oh, uh, totally. you know, it's kind of funny that even feminists reduce them to, oh, you're wearing a skimpy outfit. So they'll probably talk about that. Um you know, it's um, certainly if there's, uh, you know, any breaking news about what's going on, um, probably saying Black Friday is is not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's like a go to for them. Like anytime they want to complain about a holiday, whether it's like Valentine's Day, Christmas, it's like just attack capitalism and consumerism. OK, between President Trump, the NFL kneeling scandal and all these food philosophy issues, I'm actually very nervous about what's going to happen around <laughs> Thanksgiving tables this year. I don't think there have ever been more tensions. And then let's just add the whole sexual assault scandals mm-hmm. to that, which I guess maybe the only good thing we can say about that is that is an issue that has bridged political divides. It's affected both parties. It's affected people far outside of politics. And I'm usually someone who would advise to keep politics away from the dinner table. But I think in today's day and age, that's so difficult. Lisa, I'm curious, what would your recommendation be on that front? Um, As far as like bridging the divide? Bridging the divide and whether or not to allow politics at the Thanksgiving Day (laughs) dinner table. Yeah, should there be ground rules? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like to set up ground rules ahead of time, kind of like take the, the fun out of it. I mean, I think most people, especially families, um, there's going to be some drinking, so that could go either way. Either you are you <laughs> like true. everyone just gets along because they're drinking or everyone argues more because they're drinking. Except my family. They're all <laughs> teetotalers. I'm serious. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're unfun Baptists. <laughs> well, they probably won't be arguing with each other. Well, or mm. a little bit. <laughs> well, I do wish all of our audience members the best of luck in your own Thanksgiving uh, day dinners this year. And I definitely encourage you all to check out Lisa's two new books. We have them here, The Social Justice Warrior Handbook, which is a great gift for your college nieces and nephews. Um, and yeah, I that's wish, a great I wish point. I might. Yeah. Yeah. yeah bring it to Thanksgiving. Us, can you tell us a little bit about Wish I Might? I Wish I Might is I kind of got the inspiration from um, 
the get bright email getbrightemail.com and that you know a lot you should of times, all subscribe to yeah i mean <laughs> when we're looking for like beauty or fashion or lifestyle stuff i mean it's really hard to find a website that doesn't eventually have like ridiculous political articles and so in the book um you know i wanted to tell a story about a girl but i also wanted to create this website that is away from all of that stuff um, and that's just kind of the background of, of it. Obviously it has like some romance and that sort of thing, but, you know, for me, it was about showcasing, you know, this can be, you know, a normal workplace and not, you know, delve in, in, into politics. And there's a little bit of like the social media climate, like when she, you know, makes a joke on Twitter that the, the main character makes a joke on Twitter and all of these social justice warrior feminists jump on her about it. Um, so there's a little bit of that, but mostly it's just like a fun read and not political. Well, I love to see conservatives engaging in more of the culture um, without being so overtly political. Mm -hmm. And I would say Lisa has been on the front lines and doing that. So I would definitely encourage you all to check out her work. But before we let her go, we are actually going to force her to play <laughs> Real or Fake News, which if you've listened or watched the show before, you know, uh, Brie and I will read headlines and Lisa will be guessing whether or not those headlines are real or fake. And if you get it right, you'll hear oh. the ding. <laughs> so there is some sort of reward. Yeah, it comes in the way of sound waves emitting <laughs> from the spell. <laughs> okay, so article number one. Diversity advocates boycott Kylie Jenner's new Christmas collection, saying that she is poor shaming by charging too much. No. Fake. Fake? Yeah. 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 I haven't heard about the collection, so that's why I knew it was fake. Oh, well, actually, no, her collection is, <laughs> oh, is real. It? Oh, is she it? just came out with it. She has two new eye palettes that are one's called naughty and one's called oh, nice. For some reason, I was thinking clothing when you said collection. Lisa, I saw you Instagram her lip gloss. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? <laughs> No, that's what I mean. I thought, well, if I had heard about it, but when you said collection, I was thinking clothing. Oh, okay. sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. We almost had okay. you there. We almost right. got you. Yeah. Uh, article number two. Dartmouth professor to donate book proceeds to Antifa. Real or fake? Real. You're on a roll. You're correct. <laughs> that's story. You can read more about it over at Campus Reform. This is totally real. Half the proceeds from his latest book to Antifa. This is a college professor. That 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 is real. Yeah. Half Great. the proceeds to Social Justice Warrior Handbook go to me. And Great. That's, it. that's a much <laughs> better <laughs> cause. <laughs> okay. Article number three. Al Franken pledges to make up for sexist behavior over course of the next four Senate terms. Fake. I thought we'd You're get right. you with that one. I thought so, too. So it's, I don't think he would say four Senate terms. You don't think he would? You think he would say, like, two four, or something? What? I don't think he would probably say, like, that's a lot of, that's I'm going to <laughs> be around that long. Yeah, he's going to be the FDR of the Senate. Yeah. Uh, yeah so it's a like fake... the Ted Kennedy of the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully he doesn't kill anyone. Um, all right. So <laughs> that's the bar now. Well, he didn't kill anyone. He didn't leave anyone for dead. So <laughs> okay. Well, just to give credit where credit is due, that headline came from the Onion, and although it is a fake news story, it's they a real actually, headline. Yeah. They wrote it um, because that is the state of the media right now. All right. The last article. Let's see if you can do four for four. Okay. A professor gives a lecture as to why Thanksgiving is cultural appropriation. Um, fake. 
I just made it up. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, well, I mean, it's a white people's holiday, <laughs> ultimately. Yeah, that's true. The pilgr- I mean, the Native Americans were there yeah. also. You know, so there's maybe... actually a really good book um, called Squanto by Eric Metaxas that talks about the history of it and just how amazing it was that this um, Native American who was, um, I think, well, he was obviously from here, but taken to England yes. and then came back. And so out of all the places in all the world, this one English-speaking Native American was here and was able to, like, bridge that gap. Oh, totally. My parents every year would read God's Providential History, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's like, oh, here's how God, like, helped and worked alongside um, individuals to found America, which I think some of it's great. I think some of it can be a little much, but the story of Squanto is one that was oft mm-hmm. repeated in my household. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Sure. Thanks for having me. And you can get the Social Justice Warrior Handbook and I Wish I Might over at Amazon.com. And they make great Christmas gifts and stocking stuffers if you have a square-shaped stocking. So you should go <laughs> and bends. do it that. Bends. Oh, yeah, that's true. There you go. You okay. can stuff it in any stocking. Perfect. I have a copy of the Social Justice Warrior Handbook. And you can also color inside. There are coloring pages and activities, although activities you said is kind of a problematic word. Yeah, I, it's a dream book, not it's a workbook. It's a dream book, book, not a workbook, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you can get your copies over at Amazon.com. And we are about to talk about, get into the segment where called That Happen, in which we talk about some of the more ridiculous and hypocritical news stories of the week. So let's start off with what happened to Star Parker. So for those who don't know, Star Parker is an African-American pro-life woman who's the founder and president of the Center for Urban Renewal and Education. And she was testifying before a hearing a few weeks ago and had a very interesting, I would probably say offensive interaction with a congressman. So first off, to give you an idea of Star Parker's views on abortion, she's very against abortion and equates abortion with um with racism. Uh, Here's a short clip we'll play so you can get an idea of where she's coming from. And then we will show you the reaction that she got from a male congressman. I feel it disingenuous that the issues of Medicaid would come up and other opportunities for us to readdress what has happened and broken down in our most distressed zip codes, the way that Planned Parenthood specifically targets these uh, particular zip codes with abortion. Abortion is a leading cause of death in the black community today. Since Roe v. Wade was legalized, 20 million humans have been killed inside of the womb of black women. And then on Halloween, Planned Parenthood tweets out that the black women are safest if they abort their child rather than bring it to. So now here's the reaction from Congressman Cohen, who is a Democrat um, and. And this was a hearing before the House Judiciary Committee's subcommittee on the Constitutional Civil Justice. And what they were discussing during this hearing is legislation that would ban abortions um, based on babies beating heartbeats. That I am not disingenuous about anything I say about Medicaid or Medicare or LIHEAP or SNAP programs. And to suggest I'm disingenuous shows your ignorance or your absolute inability to deal with Congress people the way they should. I believe in those issues, and I think they're proper, and to say I'm disingenuous is just wrong, and I expect an apology. Uh, oh, great. What did you think of that reaction? I mean, that's that's a lot. 
That's a lot. Here we have a male senator who is browbeating this woman who is speaking from personal experience. I mean, she's not wrong that Planned Parenthood uh, clinics are usually located in uh, neighborhoods that are predominantly black neighborhoods. Poor right? and African-American. And this is something that she has lived through and has experienced. And she's lived alongside Planned Parenthood uh, clinics and has seen. And she, she's actually gotten abortions and she speaks about her personal experience with that and having regret after the fact. Yeah. And she's seen a lot of black women go in, you know, with a baby and come out without one. And I mean, she even cited some t- alarming statistics um, in which it is very clear that black lives are being snuffed out intentionally. So, you know, here she is talking about her experience and what she knows from first hand experience to be true. And then this Democratic senator is browbeating her for it because he doesn't like the conclusion or agree with the political ramifications of what she is saying. I believe he actually called her ignorant. And you can only imagine that if um, if the congressman were a Republican saying that to an African-American who's testifying, you can only imagine the reaction that we would see from the left. Yeah. I mean, we all know what the headlines would be from Jezebel, from Glamour, from Seventeen, from every or even Politico. It would be, you know, male congressman browbeats black woman like because he doesn't like what she says. That would be the headline. That would be, you know, the narrative coming out of this and the fact that this barely got covered at all. I mean, the only reason why I saw it is because I saw someone like post a link to a video on Facebook. Right. I didn't really see any media coverage of this. Um, you know, and I think the reason why this didn't blow up is because she's a conservative and because she has a pro-life opinion. And this is very typical um, and, you know, almost expected from the media at this point. Well, we were a little late on it, but I'm glad we covered it because that deserves to be covered. And Starr certainly did not deserve that kind of treatment from a sitting member of Congress. So moving on to our second that happened this week. This is a story that I've been covering. So Glamour Magazine came out with their 2017 Women of the Year Awards. Shockingly, shockingly, they did not include a single conservative or Republican woman. Um, Classic. (laughs) Again, they don't defend Star Parker. They totally leave out, you know, every any uh, conservative or Republican-minded woman from this list. It's like we don't exist. Exactly. And so I just wrote an article for The Federalist on this. And, um, you know, of course, just to name a few of the women of the year, uh, there was Gigi Hadid. Hadid, Is that how you pronounce Mm -hmm. her last name? She's a Victoria's Secret supermodel. Who is awesome. Samantha B. There's Representative Maxine Waters, who is not just a Democrat, she's a the Democrat leading the charge to impeach President Trump. Th- these are the types of women that they featured as the women of the year at a women's magazine, completely ignoring the fact that this this year was, I think, the year of Kellyanne Conway. She uh, a, a lot of people don't give her don't give her the credit that she deserves. She not only was the first woman to lead a successful presidential campaign, but she started her own business, I believe at the age of 29, and she started a polling firm competing in a world of men. Yeah. 
and she's risen to the top in the of our industry in the private sector and now she is a counsel to the president of the United States and she does not get one mention in Glamour magazine's Women of the Year. I think it's no surprise um you know conservative women are used to at this point being ignored by by um women's magazines and it gets tiring to call them out all the time honestly Part of me wants to glaze over these and be like, yep, this no surprise here. But I think the reality is that we as women need to speak up and and do what we can, what's in our power to let other young girls and women know that there are there's there's another way. There's there's another group of women who believe in empowering young girls and women who believe in equality. But we just believe in different policies in how to get there. Um, so I think it's pretty shameful that Glamour magazine chose not to feature a single Republican or conservative woman when there's a whole list of them who um, really deserve to be there. And, you know, from my perspective, I don't know if the, you agree with this, Kelsey. I think it's fine if they want to include all of the liberal women that they want to include. I just think that they could have thrown a bone. Right. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Just like throw us a bone, you know, throw in literally just one conservative woman and like you can throw in all the Maxine Waters that you want. And that's fine. I, I actually wrote that in my piece for the Federalist.com. I'd encourage you to all check it out if you want to read more. Um, but unfortunately, I do think we need to continue engaging on these issues and letting these executives in New York City working at Glamour Magazine and the likes know that we are here, we exist, and we're going to stand up for women in our industry and, and beyond and, and and try to give them a voice and let them know that we see that you're not including them and this just isn't an accurate portrayal of our gender. Yeah, you're exactly right. All right, so another story that happened this week, we can talk about Gal Gadot and how awesome she is. Uh, she's the star of Wonder Woman and they are in the midst of uh, completing a sequel, Wonder Woman 2, and Gal Gadot stood up against uh, one of her co-stars, Brett Ratner, uh, facing a bunch of allegations of sexual assault and harassment from a lot of other women that he's worked with in the past. She stood up to him and got him kicked off the set on Wonder Woman 2. Um, and so now, you know, she doesn't have they don't have to deal with that anymore. They got him out which I think is awesome. And, you know, I think it is really frustrating just all of the allegations against a lot of different people that have been uh, coming out. It is really frustrating to see how pervasive this problem is, right? How many men feel emboldened or empowered or think it's they can get away with, you know, treating women so badly like this. And I think we uh, it, it is unfortunate that women you know, have to stand up and put our foot down and say, no, don't do this. Right. It's sad that men don't seem to police themselves, but good on Gal Gadot for sticking up for herself and for her fellow co-stars and getting a creep out of there. <laughs> I was actually surprised in this story. So Olivia Munn uh, was one of the celebrities to I to, I guess, have um, experience these abuses. And I'm just surprised that these women who you think are in such powerful positions right. are still facing this kind of abuse. It's discouraging. It really is. I mean, if Olivia Munn can't get harassed and even assaulted her, what she described as assault, uh, you know, being forced uh, and coerced into different things, you know, if she isn't 
uh, you know, can't escape it, then it's sort of like, oh, what's going to happen to me? Right. That's kind of the thought that you have next. And I think really just being loud and vocal and getting all of these creepy men out of there <laughs> is the number one priority, right? The sooner we expel all of them, you know, and make it very clear that, listen, if you do this, it will catch up to you and you will reap the consequences of your decisions. I think that that needs to happen and we need to continue sounding the alarm and applauding women who do. Ever since um, this dam was broken, where all these um, allegations came forward, I, I kept wondering, how many men do you think are sitting in their office yeah, shaking? Yeah, just waiting, waiting for the shoe to drop. Good. I hope they are shaking. Exactly. You know what I mean? If you did something and now you're worried about it, like I hope you don't sleep at night. I agree. And, and actually, just to briefly loop it back to my argument about the uh, Glamour Women of the Year. I thought that Gretchen Carlson is someone that they could have recognized because at the actual award show they had for the Glamour Women of the Year, they talked a lot about the Me Too campaign. And, you know, as I mentioned during the Thanksgiving segment, this is this is not a Republican-Democrat issue. Mm-mm. This is an issue that everybody, it's affecting every everybody. And um, we can talk about it in a nonpartisan way. And Gretchen Carlson was very brave in in the way she came out early before all these other women followed suit. She really opened the door for a lot of other women to come forward. So I think she would be a perfect example for the type of conservative right-leaning woman that Glamour magazine could have uh, featured, and they really missed an opportunity there. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Okay, I think now it's time to crown our problematic woman, (laughs) Of the week. Kelsey, I will let you do the honors as I drum roll here for you. This is a big honor because this week's problematic (laughs) woman of the week is Taylor Swift. And in case you didn't know, Taylor Swift is out with a new album called Reputation. She should all buy it. It's it's amazing. So full disclosure, we know there are a lot of people who might not be big Taylor fans, but you're probably on the wrong podcast if you're not, because <laughs> Bree and I are diehard Taylor Swift fans. But this week, Taylor Swift was incredibly problematic uh, amongst women's magazines, such as Marie, Marie Claire, which came out with an article saying they are still waiting for an explanation from Taylor Swift as to why she remained <laughs> apolitical throughout the 26 campaign, 2016 campaign. So just to be clear, Taylor Swift is problematic because she is not political enough. What is wrong with our country? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I think one of my favorite stories in this vein is, I think it was from the Daily Beast, and it was... I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically like, Taylor, when will you decry all of the Nazis who love you? Like, what? Really? You're going to be like, Taylor Swift, when are you going to decry the Nazis? That's giving them more attention if Taylor Swift even says their name. I mean, that's completely the wrong way we should be going out. Uh, It's Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean... It's just so crazy. The conversation has gotten so out of control. I feel like that Daily Beast headline is just emblematic of 2017. So I want to read for our listeners a quote from this Marie Claire piece that we're referring to. Quote, Taylor is not required to be open about her politics, of course, but it's also fair to question her decision to remain silent in what was a particularly contentious and consequential presidential battle. Oh my so, gosh. Uh, so they were really ripping on her um, because she didn't come out for any particular candidate, but she did post an Instagram when she was going to vote saying, you know, get out the vote, which I think is 
what every celebrity should be doing, encouraging Americans to vote, not bully them to vote a certain way because you are in a very powerful, influential position as a celebrity. I, I, I support their right to speak out, of course, if they choose, but I think it's the classy thing to do. If, if you know you have so many young fans who are so influential, to not force your own political opinions on them. And I have so much respect for Taylor Swift for staying above the fray. And I think that's why so many of our fans like you and I are so loyal. Yeah, I definitely will have to agree with you there. Also, I mean, this sentence contradicts itself, right? She's not required to be open about her politics, but why didn't she dec <laughs> decry Trump? You know what I mean? It's just like, why are the rules that fit in every other situation suddenly you liberals throw them out the window when it comes to Donald Trump, right? Like if she's allowed to remain apolitical, she's allowed to remain apolitical. So like, I don't understand why all of a sudden there's special rules when it comes to Donald Trump. Totally agree. Well, unfortunately for Marie Claire and everybody else who is hating on Taylor Swift this week, her album uh, is selling more albums in a day than any other album uh, in has. a week in a, this er, year. What is it? So, OK, any other album that came out this week, it took them a week to sell what Taylor sold in one day. Slay. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, get on my level. You're not on my level. Like I'm the queen. You know, so have you listened to the album in full? I admittedly I've listened to the singles. I haven't bought the album yet. Oh, my gosh. I had the album on pre-order. I've listened to <laughs> every song probably 20 times. I kid you not so far. And look, I had I had a tough time with this album because. Oh, sorry. My phone just fell over here uh, as I'm reaching for Taylor. <laughs> um this album is very different from any other. It sounds different. The lyrics are different and the messages are different. In a way, it's petty. And I was pretty um, worried about that the first few times I listened to it. I was like, do I like this new Taylor? The old, I know the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now, so do I like the new Taylor? <laughs> and after probably the fifth time listening through the album, I realized I love this new Taylor because this Taylor is confident, she's empowered, and she's fighting back against all the crap that she has put up with through the last 10 years of her life through the press. She's fighting back against all the hypocrisy from these women's magazines, the, the mean articles that are written about her. So, yes, sometimes that comes off as petty, but what you see in every album Taylor comes out with is uh, you, you see her growing up. And in this album, we see what used to be a girl who sat there dreaming of fairy tale and princesses. We see a grown woman who learned how to fight back and say F you yeah. to her haters. And if there's anyone who's entitled to write a diss album, it's Taylor Swift. You know what I mean? And listen, her new album, like it or not, it sold more copies in one day than any other album sold in a week this year. And so look, it works. And look, I don't owe, if I had a young daughter and I thought, what would the message she'd be receiving from this album be? Would I agree with everything? No, because it's a little bit petty. But on the flip side, I think every little girl needs to grow up and at some point grow some thick skin and be able to fight back against people who are unfairly attacking her. So I think that's the Taylor, Taylor you see in this album. But I will say, 
I'm hopeful that in the next album, we'll see yet another Taylor who's really just taking the high road and able to put this all behind her because she really knows who she is and she doesn't even need to sink down to that level. I completely agree. And that's it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. We will be off next Thursday for Thanksgiving, but you can follow my work over at thefederalist.com and follow me on Twitter at Brie underscore Payton. And you can follow my work uh, on Twitter at Kelsey J. Harkness and on The Daily Signal. This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and The Federalist, and it is produced by Lauren Evans of The Daily Signal. You can tweet segment ideas to her on Twitter at Lauren Liz Evans. We appreciate all of you liking this podcast, sharing it with your friends, and supporting strong, conservative, problematic women who are standing up for America's culture. <laughs>